a second head coach's season came to an early end, the playoff picture just kind of keeps getting murkier. But Adam and I are here to break it all down for you. Welcome to the Goal Line Fade Podcast. A big day in Carolina, and not one that too many people wanted to see. Ron Rivera, who's a, a pretty beloved coach, I don't think I realized how beloved he was, um, unfortunately was fired by the Carolina Panthers mid-season. And um, this is something that you see typically if there's a, a disagreement between the head coach and the, the GM or the owner, if there's some big dispute. But um, I can honestly say this wasn't something I expected to happen maybe at all, especially not mid-season. Daniel, did you have any different perspectives on this? Like, what are your thoughts? This was definitely... In the in terms of head coaching firings, not the one that I was expecting to happen this early at the very least. Dan Quinn. That would have been the one I would have seen happen. Dan Quinn was one. Jason Garrett has been thrown around a lot. Like there are but other, other because names. the Cowboys are in the playoff spot, like they can't I, I couldn't see that happening. But Dan Quinn a bit would have been really easy after Thanksgiving Thursday to give him the boot in my yeah. in my mind. You just feel so bad for Ron Rivera. Like he doesn't even have his true starting quarterback in and he gets fired because of a bad record. And just seeing all those tweets, especially like Cam Newton, like legitimately just I mean I think Ron Rivera probably started head coaching the same year Cam came into the league I think Ron Rivera's been there since 2011 so yeah that was Cam's first year so that's such a that's such a connection to lose that might also be spelling the end of Cam I wouldn't be shocked if Ron Rivera goes somewhere without a quarterback because I have no doubt he'll be head coaching next year Cam could follow him I wouldn't be surprised to see that well potentially it depends on which situation he ends up in um I, I threw this in the notes here and I'm not sure what your take on this would be but People are saying that Pat Shermer could be gone, uh, the head coach of the New York Giants. So is there a potential that, uh, like he knows David Gettleman, and David Gettleman was the former uh, GM for the Carolina Panthers. He's now the GM for the New York Giants. So if Pat Shermer, the head coach for the Giants, is on the way out, is there a potential that he could end up in New York? Because that's, that's not a terrible situation there. He's a defensive-minded head coach, so it would make sense for him to be there. Um, anyways, uh, that's a little bit more of a... Uh, a larger discussion we don't need to get into right now, but specifically about Rivera. Like he had a winning record in the time that he was with Carolina. He's taken them to a Super Bowl. He got them to the playoffs four times in nine years. They won the division three of those. Um, yeah, it's just not the coach that I would expect to get fired at this point in the year. No, it is frustrating for for a team at this point. And I mean, Riverboat Ron was like a meme for a little bit. He he went from being super conservative, and I mean, there were rumblings of him getting fired 2013, 2014. And then Riverboat Ron came out and he just started almost like not caring, it seemed like. And it's like fourth and five. Sure. Like, I don't care anymore. We're going to go for everything. Is that and where it, that name came from? I heard that. Like, yeah, I it's because he, he started taking crazy risks, like okay. just on plays that made no sense. He would go for it um, and it was working. How and so Riverboat come from that? I, I don't know. I'm sure there's some background <laughs> to it. But fair enough. Yeah. Um, I think I might have had to do. I think he wore like a hilarious outfit to a press conference or something. But oh, fair enough. Um, I mean, it was working with, with Cam Newton at quarterback. Those decisions made sense. He led Cam to an MV. I mean, not he. he was the, he's a defensive-minded head coach, but but his team and, and Cam uh, to the Super Bowl in 2015, an MVP run for, for Cam Newton. We'll have to see where he goes. Like I said, I'd be shocked if he wasn't a head coach next year, especially with, again, there's, there's rumblings of guys like Jason Garrett getting fired. Pat Shermer is one. Dan Quinn is one. It doesn't feel like, like there's a lot of jobs that, could potentially be open. Adam Gase in New York is another one that's Matt been thrown Patricia around. Matt in Denver. Matt per- or in Detroit. Sorry, Detroit. Yep. So we'll, we'll have to see where he ends up going. I think the Giants would be a decent landing spot because they have the weapons on offense. They don't need an offensive-minded head coach. Um, so he could go hopefully, hopefully help shore up that defense a bit. It'd be a good fit in my mind. Well, yeah, and especially when that division is in such a mess right now. So, yeah, well, like, transitioning to that NFC East and the two coaches that could be fired there. So we talked briefly about Pat Shermer. So he's only been there two seasons. His record is seven and 21 though, um, through the 1.8, 1.9% years that he's actually been there. So, I mean, he's kind of been in a bad situation. That's not necessarily the best situation to be in right now. So I, I'm not necessarily sure it's his fault, but it just, it feels like New York is wanting a winner right now. And especially with them taking Daniel Jones and it just, I don't know. It, it feels like it's time that he get fired, but it really, if you look at it, like there's no necessarily reason like why he should be fired. I mean, it's I, I've situation. said it over and over and over. I'm, I'm all for the patience with the head coaches. Um, I think it'd be really bad for young Daniel Jones to have a new head coach in his second season, especially because Daniel Jones has not been spectacular and he needs to know that his head coach is behind him fully and to bring in a new head coach could be dangerous for that. Um, but again, like 
if he gets fired, Ron Rivera is a good fit. I hope the Giants don't do it because as much as I hate the Giants as a Patriots fan, Daniel Jones is pretty likable. And even though he hasn't been amazing this year, he's been good enough to be like, oh, th- this could be a good young QB. So I'd, I would like to see his confidence stay intact with the same head coach. Fair enough. But does he have that confidence where it needs to be with Pat Shermer, though, too, right? If they were to go and get an offensive mind. He was the one who drafted, well, the head coach when he was drafted. So that's always a helpful I get it, but if there's someone that comes in and actually has like a, a plan for for how they could get the best out of Daniel Jones, who knows? Maybe there's a coach that could come in that could provide a lot more confidence for him than what he currently has. Um, obviously, some weapons in that offense would be helpful. A defense that can support them when he's not having a great day would be nice too. But uh, yeah, maybe that's all that's on their Christmas list at this point in time. So who do you see taking Ron Rivera's job come next season? So, gosh, that's tough. So we were talking about this just before we started recording, but Robert Sala, I, I think I'm saying that last name right, the defensive coordinator of the 49ers is currently the like the largest bet. or The the Las Vegas favorite. Yeah, the Las Vegas favorite for this job. Um, that wouldn't really surprise me. I think that their defense is like d- does need work, and I think their offense is pretty good too. You look at the weapons that they have there. Obviously, McCaffrey's playing at an MVP level. Um, you've got DJ Moore, who's really stepping up. Not that Kyle Allen is their future, but if they have a you know, um, some quarterback solidity next year. Like they could be a good offense. I think if someone comes in as a defensive minded coach to transition that team, that would be really fun to see. Could Greg Roman offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens come in and revive Cam's career. Is that possible? I could see that as a fit actually. Um, Cause Greg Roman, who was he coaching before that? He was, he was Kaepernick, right? Uh, like, was, yeah, in 2013, 2014, he was. Yeah, sorry. Uh, like other athletic quarterbacks, I'm yeah. thinking like down the, if you look at his chronological history as being yeah. a, an offensive coach, he had Colin Kaepernick. Now he's had Lamar Jackson. And I mean, both were very successful under yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. Very successful. Both the same style quarterback. Cam Newton falls into that bracket as he's well. He's a more physical runner by far than either of them. But, but I feel like that's sort of when Cam Newton started to decline in his career was when they forced him to be more of a passer than a runner. I feel like the team and obviously injury history had to do with that. uh, Just some of the injuries that he suffered over the course of his career. But if there was a way that they could transition him slightly to being more of a runner than he had been most recently, it would be interesting. And his injuries right now are mounting up. So who knows if that's even a possibility, but um, yeah, another job that looks like it's available is the, the Dallas Cowboys job. Daniel, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. So, um, yeah, as I was trying to go to bed last night, it's like one o'clock in the morning, just can't seem to fall asleep. And I just decide that I'm going to go and look up the history of Dallas Cowboys head coaches. So What's, in their franchise. Who are you? What is wrong with you? <laughs> so from the from 1960 on, they've had eight head coaches. And again, like this is one o'clock in the morning. I'm apparently like wide awake because coffee does that to you apparently. And <laughs> just curious, from 1960 on, they've had 18, or sorry, eight head coaches. So Tom Landry was the head coach for 28 years there. Since then, the longest tenured coach has been Jason Garrett at nine years. Every other coach was like five years, three years, two years. And most of them were rather successful, whereas Jason Garrett hasn't been as successful. He's got a, like a good winning record. He's taken them to the playoffs only three times in those nine years, though. Um, with Tony Romo, who was a very good, consistent quarterback. Yeah, and with Dak Prescott, who's also playing very well, too. Right, like This team feels better than they should be a lot of cowboys fans especially after thanksgiving are calling for his job do you think he's in risk of being fired like i I think he will be fired but i guess like is it his fault should he be the one taking all the heat right now because he really is taking a lot of heat i've heard speculation and obviously i'm not going to say this as a fact but i've heard some people say that um Jerry Jones just loves head coaches who kind of will cower and let him do whatever he wants. So let's let's take a look at this. Have you heard the the Jimmy Johnson story? I haven't, no. So Jimmy Johnson was their head coach from 1989 to 1993. He won the Super Bowl with them two years in a row. And I believe after winning the second Super Bowl, which was again in a row, I believe he stepped down from that job because of the fact that like him and Jimmy John or him and Jerry Jones didn't get along. So this is a coach that was like, that was coaching Troy Aikman. That was coaching Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, the great defense that they had in the nineties. And he stepped down because he didn't get along with Jerry Jones. Like it honestly seems like if you get along with Jerry Jones, you're spineless and don't make any decisions for yourself. You give in to so him, Jason Garrett. And that's when you stay there long term. Yeah. And finally, when he's sick and tired of you not winning because of all the decisions he's making, Right, like Jerry Jones is a successful businessman, absolutely. But he functions as the general manager for a team. And 
He's a uh, senile old man. Let's just be honest. But I mean, not like taking that aside, right? Everyone's talking about Bill O'Brien right now. He's sort of functioning as the general manager for the Houston Texans. When someone has so much power in an organization and doesn't necessarily have someone to report to, to me, it's how am I supposed to do my job if someone else is completely controlling what's going on? So for Bill O'Brien, it sort of makes sense. He said uh, his quote was, if I'm, if I'm making supper, I want to be able to have a say in the groceries. So for Jason Garrett, why would he not have a say in the groceries if he's um, if he's going to be making supper? And if Jerry Jones is the one that's making all the or going out buying all the groceries, Jason Garrett has to completely revamp what he's making for supper, right? Like I question if that has a factor. Who wants so then, to, who wants to be a head coach in that situation? To answer your question, do I think Jason Garrett is the biggest problem? No, I think a better chance of success would be if Jerry Jones sold the dang football team. I really do, but I they're the richest franchise in all I, sports. It's not going to happen, but. Yeah that would be the best thing for the Cowboys football team. Um, Jason Garrett has been fine. But again, what is 83 and 65 um, total rec- Like overall record as a head coach, it's not bad. And he's had some like, he's had good rosters. He's also had bad rosters. He hasn't had the success that you would necessarily want to see, but he has proven to have some staying power as a guy who wins games in the NFL as a head coach. I don't hate him. I think he probably should be fired at this point. Again, another guy just to add to that coaching carousel, he could maybe end up in Carolina. You never know. But So the question that I have is, how is it a coach's fault that Dak Prescott, you know, fumbled the ball, like that he's holding on to the ball too long that Ed Oliver like strip sacks the ball, right? How is it his fault that the defense wasn't forcing turnovers against the Bills? They were horribly outcoached in the Patriots game. Okay, they made the special Patriots teams game, mistakes you should never, ever, ever, ever make. In the Patriots game, fair enough, but... It feels like every single loss now, they're bringing it back to Jason Garrett. And in that Bills game, no, they didn't play great. But you can't blame everything on the coaches when, again, when your quarterback's holding on to the ball a little too long, when your defense isn't making stops. Like, Cole Beasley was rather wide open when he went, caught his touchdown pass, right? Like, yes, guys need to know they're in the right or wrong position by coaching, but you can't physically put players where they need to be to be successful, right? You can't make them successful on the field all the time so anyway but head coaches are always the scapegoat and that's and, that's and just I how the league that. works but i think like this isn't necessarily the season to be talking about firing him this should happen three Fair or four enough. years ago potentially, right like anyways um there's lots of head coaches that are going to get fired this year i think the next one that could happen in season is dan quinn that's the one that i thought was going to happen after jay gruden to be honest like this ron rivera firing again it didn't really shock me but the fact that it happened this early is just what shocked me um especially as being like a highly regarded guy um it's weird to see those guys get fired mid-season. Like typically, the mid-season firing again happens when there's a huge discrepancy. young, disrespected co- or young coaches who haven't earned the respect yet, kind of thing. Well, I guess so. Like if you just look historically back at, like most coaches get the benefit of the doubt; they get to finish off the season, and it's like week sixteen or week seventeen that they get Black fired. Monday, or, uh, yeah, Black exactly. Monday. Like the weekend after, um, or sorry, the the Monday after the last weekend of the year, and that sort of makes sense, right? It's a closure to the year, but this it just it feels wrong. Um, Anyways, we don't need to talk too much more about that. But transitioning into some other, uh, some good news, I guess you could say, is Lane Johnson is now the highest paid offensive lineman. He got paid. Yeah, he got paid four-year extension for $72 million. As a right tackle. Yeah, nearly 55 is guaranteed. And again, like we say as a right tackle because the highest paid offensive lineman in football is typically your left tackle because most quarterbacks are right-handed and they're the left tackles are protecting their blind side. So the right tackles are valuable, yes, but you put your your best run blocker on your right tackle spot and then you put your best pass blocker at your left tackle spot. Or traditionally that's the way that uh that people line up there. So that being said, Lane Johnson is amazing in his position. Yeah. He he deserved to get paid. This is like this is huge. You're looking at like what is this 18 mil a year for a for a right tackle that's, yeah. that's a lot of and money that's considering but... that they dished out a bunch of money to brandon brooks just recently yeah. as well like they're totally I mean, it, investing it's working in their for the cowboys line. the cowboys have the most salary cap put in their line and they run the ball for free at times it feels like so other yeah. teams might be looking at that model yeah and that's true um i mean their running game isn't terrible like jordan howard's having a pretty good year miles sanders having a pretty good year as well he's an electric kid i like watching him yeah the, the thing is they get down early in games and they just don't run the ball as much and right? they have so. no wide receivers so it's a bit of an issue but <laughs> yeah. yeah but Anyways, a great yeah. great contract for lane johnson i'm sure he's happy again football is such a respect thing and to get offered a deal like that he must be riding high right now yeah definitely and so <laughs> speaking of respect and contracts nick Foles, four-year 88 million dollars to the bench 
He got, okay, so I was actually looking at this because I was curious. Okay, like how much could he be making? So he's being paid $45 million guaranteed oh before 2022. I think it's like five this year, 15 next year, and it works its way up to $20 million guaranteed until 2022. He's getting cut. Or something stupid he like He might this. not survive the offseason. Okay, what I don't understand. Okay, like I get you offering that much money to a guy who you think can be the quarterback, but it feels almost wrong to put Gardner Minshew in the game. Like, honestly, from a business perspective, it looks wrong. So stupid, yeah. Like, you put Minshew in the game, Minshew has a far better performance than what Foles does. Now you're basically saying, like, there's no way we move forward with Foles. That just that feels like the statement. So do you trade away Nick Foles, who's basically got an unbearable contract that no team will want to take on? Or do you go, like, do you go forward with Minshew? Or is this... Can we just look at the pattern of Jacksonville Jaguars paying quarterbacks, taking about a year to realize that they've overpaid a not great quarterback, and then having to panic and figure it out again? Uh, they didn't pay Blake Bortles. 17 mil a year, 18 mil a year. Blake Bortles got paid that yeah, much? he got a big contract. No way. Yeah. So wow, I did not know that. Okay. The Jags suck at paying quarterbacks, and... Like, honestly, I watched a, a YouTuber I like putting a QB tier list together today, and he had Minshew and Foles on about the same level in the tier list, and he's probably right. Um, so it, it this feels like it might just be to appease the fans in a losing season, to be honest. They're not winning that division. It, that division is a three-way race with the other teams. The Jags are out. This might be just appealing to the fans, and then hopefully in the offseason they'll get Nick Foles kind of back in that place as the starter, but... Man, that sucks if you're Nick Foles. And I love the dude. He is, like, one of the most classy. Like, he beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Still love him. Such a classy guy. Has never been amazing. He had that insane rookie season, but since then has kind of been bad, quite insane frankly. Insane rookie season? 27 touchdowns, like two picks or something stupid. Was, that was the season Came in with for the Michael Eagles, Vick. right? Yeah. That was his rookie season? I didn't think it or was. Or it might not have been, but his first Anyways, season yeah, playing. Yeah. His yeah. first season playing, like I remember, yeah. He's always he's on that weird streak where he'll come in and he'll play. If he's playing in relief, he plays phenomenal. The Ryan Fitzpatrick, but kind of the opposite. Fitzpatrick so, comes in like magic and then gets benched because he sucks. Foles usually comes in because of an injury and then just like lights up When he's up given the while. job, he sucks. Yeah. So it's it's weird. It's really weird. And again, like I, I can reiterate Dan's comments. Like I, I really like Nick Foles personally. Um, I know he's talked about his faith and is very, very highly regarded for his faith. Um, that was something we saw on Twitter a couple weeks ago. So very cool to see players come out and uh, and speak on that topic. But it's just, it really is weird. So one thing that I'm questioning is if they still believe in Foles and if obviously they're still committed to his contract and no one else will take that on, is this a tryout for Minshew to be traded? Is there a potential that they're they're trying to, to push a Minshew trade potentially in the offseason? Someone offers you a third, you take it, right? Like... Could Carolina, could Chicago, one of these teams that are like might need a quarterback, might be looking for a quarterback, who knows? I'm just so curious, like who in in the Jaguars' mind, who is the QB they'd rather get rid of? And we don't know and we won't. Yeah. But I'm I'm very curious to see how this offseason plays it's out. It's gonna with be them. a dollar and cents thing. Like let's yeah. be real. So I But was I think it is they have two top thirty two quarterbacks on their yeah. roster, which yeah. means someone's leaving. Yeah. It's well Likely, typically, likely someone's typically leaving. you get rid of money, but when money's guaranteed and you're going to have dead weight like that, that's just ridiculous. But anyways, um, yeah. So what's really impressive in my mind about Gardner Minshew is he's got 14 touchdowns, five interceptions, and like a slightly less completion percentage or slight less completion percentage than Nick Foles, but he's had way more attempts, like almost three times as many attempts. So it just it feels like when Minshew's on the field, anything can happen. When Foles is on the field, it feels like the defenses know what they're getting. So, But again, we just talked about Foles' kind of electric first season. First seasons mean nothing because teams don't have film. They don't know who you are. That's true. You cannot judge it, a player until they have had to play yeah. against teams that have game planned for them from their film. For sure. Like we're seeing it with... I don't want to say Patrick Mahomes. That's Baker. not quite fair, but definitely Baker. Exactly. These players that Lamar go Jackson next a, year. And I know people are going to get mad at me, but he'll, he will not be, he will not put up another MVP campaign next year. Teams will learn. maybe early in the season. Like Mahomes was putting on an MVP season yeah. early in the season this year. He's and I mean, obviously his injuries um, held him back a little bit, whether people want to admit it or not. That's the reason he like still isn't a hundred percent to form. But um, anyways, yeah, like sophomore slump is a real thing. We see it with running backs all the time too. Saquon's sort of in that right now. Like anyways, it's because the team sucks, but well, and he's a, banged up i think yeah. too so anyways we see that quite a bit so can't buy into the rookies hype understandably so um, another weird quarterback situation um apparently eli manning might be starting getting his last hurrah this week because daniel jones is dealing with a high ankle sprain last tryout like what, what is this not for the giants job like i think it's yeah. pretty safe to say he it's won't daniel be with the giants job. next year but what is is this a chance for him to find a starting job is this for him to like what is this you've what got is to the imagine upside? so this would be my guess. Um, he plays well. 
He demands a trade because I don't think is he a free agent after the year? I don't think so. I don't know. I I would, I would lean towards saying no. He demands a trade or a release, um, and he tries to go start somewhere else. Or if he goes to play and you can tell he doesn't have it left, that might be the last snaps he ever plays in the NFL. He might retire. That could be it. You think so? Like, like he wouldn't even do. You, could you ever see Eli Manning serving as a backup on a team? Beyond, I mean, he's done it beyond, all season. <laughs> beyond the, the Giants this season. I don't know. I. It feels like those three quarterbacks are all kind of at the end of their career. Like those three from the 2004 draft. Yeah, Philip Rivers, Rivers and Roethlisberger. Philip Rivers has been pretty bad this year. Well, um, declining. Yeah. Declining. Eli Manning obviously has hit the bench, and rightfully so. He's been pretty terrible. Ben Roethlisberger didn't look great, and he was banged up, but he just missed the whole season. He'll be back. But it kind of feels like, I mean, compared to the longevity of your Drew Brees, your Tom Brady, these three don't seem to have that in them. And we'll have to see, but their careers, I could see all three of them retiring before Breeze does. So <laughs> that brings up an interesting rabbit hole. I'm not sure I want to go down at this point, but one question I will ask. You're a GM right now. You have, you know, somewhat stable. Roethlisberger. Okay, that wasn't what I was going to oh, ask. Well. We have like a somewhat stable quarterback room. You're thinking to yourself, you know what? Sure, like I might go invest in a veteran quarterback. Say you're the Buccaneers and you're not 100% convinced of Winston. Maybe we'll give, you know, we'll give him some competition in camp. Are you convinced that Eli Manning could come and play a starting role? Eli next Manning year? is probably still better than Jameis Winston. So as a GM, sorry, not just Tampa, but like any team, would you I, be like, convinced to bring him in? And, like, he's would you go he's and make better than some starters in the league right now, I would think. Yeah. Um, he's He's the same QB as Winston, just turns the ball over a lot. But... Uh, he won't like he loves the game that's same as winston that's why he's the same qb as winston they oh, both okay. do the same i thought thing. you said he just, he just turns over the ball a lot no, like, that's they, Winston's both, they both throw a ton of picks yeah, yeah. <laughs> um no i i don't hate eli manning he has been a very good quarterback at times he's been a very bad quarterback at times so it'd be weird to see him in any uniform that wasn't a giants uniform but there are definitely teams that i think would put out a flyer to see if he's available and i feel like name value really holds a lot of weight in the nfl too i mean your last name's manning you're set yeah that's what i was gonna say like if your last name's manning uh, even philip rivers sure he's declining but let's be real like he's a free agent at the end of the year and he was the best of the three fight me on the roethlisberger thing but rivers was better than the other two yeah um i'd be willing to bet that some teams are, are gonna dish out money for him. yeah so um yeah i don't know where where those guys are going to end up but anyways it's interesting to see uh obviously this game holds a lot of weight for eli manning individually to see if he still got another chance but good luck for him um or good luck to him against the eagles it, it could be that last hurrah the eagles are really struggling right now too maybe he goes out and just dominates the eagles who knows like it, it, it's going to be interesting to see but um sp staying in new york cj mosley goes to ir um obviously like one of the, of the jets cj mosley of the jets yeah of the of the new york jets not the giants whoops um, but yeah, he goes to IR now. So for those of you not familiar with his contract, man, today's just an episode talking big money. Hey, um, he signed a contract for five years, 85 million or something like that this off season. So he's getting paid, I think 13 million this year and then 17.5 the next couple of years, then 18.5 a couple of years after that. So the dude's getting paid like big bucks and he's played two games this year for the Jets and now is on IR. Obviously, you can't necessarily blame a person for injuries, but like that's just a really tough situation for the Jets. Like that that's how the what happens to the Jets all the time. They signed an elite playmaker at linebacker. They signed actually a couple. They they went out and made a lot of big free agent acquisitions and then uh injuries and poor performance and everything just kind of dismantled the season. So CJ Mosley is another player who I like a lot. Uh, I kind of feel bad for him missing the season. As a Patriots fan, I'm happy the Jets lost a lot, but not because of injuries. You never want to see those. So it is what it is. He'll be back next year. CJ Mosley is a top five, top three middle linebacker in the league, and I have no doubt he'll continue playing at that level. It's an interesting one. And I mean, not necessarily that he would have saved the Jets season, but if he could have helped their defense in some of the games where they really struggled without him, um, who knows? Maybe his his addition back there next year could uh, could make a difference. But um, another injury to highlight is Connor Williams, the left guard for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I believe. It's good. Yeah, he also went to IR. So he was a second round pick in 2018, I believe, and he played almost 100 percent of the snaps last year and this year. I want to say, and he, he's considered like one of the best, uh, one of the sorry best left guards, I think. Uh, one of the best interior linemen he's yeah the entire Cowboys line is just ridiculous yeah trying to look through some stats here um, like they're the second best run offensive line in general they're the number one best passing offensive line in general so when you're one of the f one of the fifth or one fifth of that 
um, obviously that says a lot. So that's a big loss for the Cowboys. Really tough to see. Um, obviously they don't need any more <laughs> injuries. They don't need any more negativity. in a mess that as it is. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. So uh, not good to see. Another injury that, I mean, I just saw it pop up across my phone. I would have expected a little bit more of a notification buzz around this, but apparently Jamal Adams is week to week. I, I didn't quite know that. Didn't know that he suffered an injury. I mean, stuff stops being news when teams are irrelevant. Jamal Adams is a beast, but again, the Jets suck. So, Okay, I'm a Patriots fan, but he's actually one of my favorite players to watch, and I have no shame in he's saying He's the best it. strong safety he's in the league. It's just unreal. Like, watching that strip sack he had on Daniel Jones. Like, I apparently he's got, like, one of the most... I think he has the most pressures on the Jets, the most sacks on the Jets. Like, the dude just plays in the backfield. He does everything he has to for that defense. He's one of the few that. defensive players who's fun to watch. Yeah. It's rare when a defensive player, like Luke Keekley, J.J. Watt was one of those, Von Miller for a time. You get these guys, who Khalil Mack, right, who just make plays. Jamal Adams is on that list. Jamal Adams feels like, obviously not to the same degree as Deion Sanders, but sort of that, like, electric defensive player that when they're on the field, you wish that there was almost like a circle around you them. Just, so you, you keep the ball. Yeah, you keep yeah. the ball away from them at all costs. You don't let them hit anyone. You don't let them, like, you just, you don't throw I mean, at them. You don't run at them. You don't play towards them in any yeah. way. Even as a fan, though. Like, I mean, I, I wish that there was a circle around him so I could see what he was constantly oh, yeah. doing, where he constantly was. Like, he's just that kind of electric player. But um, anyways, yeah, it's him being week to week is unfortunate. And uh, I hope he is still playing with the Jets next year. There was some hoopla that he might be going to the Cowboys. I know the Ravens asked for a trade for, or uh, tried to get him in a trade at the trade deadline. Gosh, too. they would have just given them the Super Bowl at that point. If they'd gotten Jamal Adams. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like, hopefully the Jets are, are not stupid and keep him next year. Cause obviously he's one of the most elite. He's like 24 years old and the best safety, best strong safety in football. If you trade him, that is the most Jets possible move you could make. <laughs> just screw Anyways. yourselves. Gosh. Yeah. So that's why we're, we're hoping that, uh, even as Patriots, I mean, get him out of the, days. no, get him out of the division. <laughs> like seriously, trade him to the NFC, give him to someone who's not a contender and I'm happy, but yeah. And then we'll watch their games with more pleasure. But, um, yeah, speaking some, uh, speaking of some games that we watched this weekend and really enjoyed, um, so we've got quite a list here. We won't highlight all the games, but talking about the ones that were uh, were really fun to watch um, and that we took a lot from, starting with Thanksgiving Day. So we're not Americans, so we weren't at home eating turkey when this game was happening, but we were getting home from our work days and uh, able to see the Buffalo Bills beat the Dallas Cowboys 26-15. to 15. So this is something that I said last week. I could see the Bills winning. You said you were confident in the Cowboys. What happened to the boys here? When we did our AFC East breakdown three weeks ago, I predicted a Bills meltdown. <laughs> and uh, You predicted they would go 9-7. and seven. Yeah. They're currently 9-3. and three. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I'm terrified of the Buffalo Bills right now. This team is good. Josh Allen, I, I looked at, there was a tweet I saw a couple days ago that showed his passer rating. It was like first half of his rookie season, second half of his rookie season, first half of this season, second half of this season. And it like incrementally goes up by 10 points on QBR. He's just improving and improving. So I'm impressed by this team too, but have you seen the the competition they've had in the last couple of weeks? I mean, I'm okay. The Cowboys are melting down, but they're still a talented team, and the Bills for sure. Of, but I'm saying like if you look at like the last couple of games true. that they played, they're but, on a three game win streak, but those wins come against um, like not necessarily on the streak. But I know, uh, oh gosh, like Washington, um, they beat Washington by quite a bit. They beat uh, Denver by quite a bit. Um, anyways, there's you know it's it's not great competition. Uh, I have it written down somewhere, but anyways. Um, yeah, it's, it's an impressive win. They look good. Their receiving core looks good. Their defense looks really good. They're, I mean, they were able to stock the They're stock great defense the in the league. Like, yeah. They're, they're great. They're elite. Like, when it comes to passing, I think they're the third best defense in the league. It's just something ridiculous like that. So, anyways, um, it was it was a fun game to watch because I think the Buffalo Bills don't get the credit that they deserve. I think a lot of times their games aren't necessarily uh, primetime games. So, not too many people had actually seen what they're capable of doing, but they're a good team. They've got a good running game. They've got, again, a good receiving court. Cole Beasley had six catches, 110 Revenge yards. Revenge game. Yeah. And I mean, wa- watching him walk in the locker room and all of his players just like absolutely bombarding him was, was quite enjoyable. I just like, I, okay, AFC East. I like, I have to hate the Buffalo Bills, but seeing Smoke have, John Brown, sorry, nicknamed Smoke, having like such a good season makes me really happy because he's a player who I've always really enjoyed seeing play. He's a little undersized for a receiver, but just a burner and kind of always felt like the guy who was kind of one season away. And he's been a true number one this year. He's been lighting up defenses with a QB. I mean, Josh Allen is the guy for him because Josh Allen only knows how to throw deep for the most part. So it's it's a good pairing. Beasley just shreds the slot. He is top 
four-ish slot receiver probably. I know like people are going to freak out about that, but Cole Beasley is really good. He's just a solid route runner underneath, and he catches the ball well. And then <laughs> Frank Gore is timeless, and Devin Singletary has a crazy yards per carry average to this yeah. point in the year. That offense has some weapons on it for sure. It's true. And, and don't forget, Josh Allen can run the ball quite effectively himself. I think he had He has 10... more rushing touchdowns than Lamar Jackson. He's got eight. Really? He's leading Did the league in that. QB rushing touchdowns. Well, that's fun. Um, yeah, this past week, he was his completion percentage was pretty good too, 19 for 24. Um, that's not something that we've seen from Josh Allen all that often this year, I don't think. So to see him playing that well was good too. What really stood out to me, um, and the Cowboys didn't play terrible either. Sorry, I should highlight that first. So Prescott had over 350 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Um, he was sacked four times. He fumbled twice. Only one of them was lost. Elliott had a great game, uh, both in carrying the ball and receiving. Um, Amari Cooper had a good game. Maher, their kicker, <laughs> he missed Former two. CFLer. Yeah, he missed two field goals and one extra point. So that's seven points that they gave up in a nine-point game. If I'm eleven-point former, former CFLer. Yeah, that 11, makes a lot of sense. Eleven-point difference, and seven of those were given away by missed kicks. Also, the Cowboys have a negative four turnover differential. That's not something that I would have believed. That's disgusting. So that's that's again like that's not in this game. That's for the year. Negative four turnover differential, and this is the team that's winning their division. At this, For some context, leading. I think the Patriots are in the 20s at this point, yeah, like positive which, which 20s. Which is historic, though, too. Not every team plays that They well. were plus 32 in 2011 or 2012, I think. But Okay. Yeah. Anyways, it's it's ridiculous. So, I honestly, what I took out of this game is that the Bills were making turnovers happen and making plays on defense, whereas the Cowboys just weren't. Um, it's not like the Bills scored on every single series, right? It's I, I personally think it's the Cowboys not able to force turnovers. I don't think they forced a turnover against the Patriots either. And yes, it was a 13-9 to game, but when you're not for- forcing turnovers, that makes it a lot harder for your offense to go and win you those games. So that was my big takeaway anyways was, um, yeah, the, the Bills defense played really well, forced turnovers that they needed to force. The Cowboys defense didn't force any turnovers, and you can't miss field goals in the NFL in this day and age. Another big uh, big game from this week is just almost continuing this trend of Adam knowing more than I know. First, he had the Bills beating the Cowboys, and then he had the Titans beating the Colts. Another game Adam that I, being gutsy. <laughs> I was shocked with this outcome. The Colts, yeah, they got beat. They got beat bad. 31-17. Derrick Henry, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say about him. I think he's already eclipsed his career rushing, uh, sorry, career. Like a season high? Yes, yeah. thank you. Cannot think of the words apparently, but... Yeah, he's already eclipsed the um, the season high for his career. I think his his previous was just over a thousand, and this like now he's he's already crushed that and has however many four games to go. It so, took Derrick Henry a while, but he's finally kind of living up to that draft status. Well, yeah, and I mean Alabama running backs just in general start to struggle, but this is the year. I mean Josh Jacobs coming out and playing really well too. So who knows? Maybe Alabama running backs are on the swing up. But I hope so. The Patriots have one. Yeah, that's right. Damian Harris. And a healthy scratch every game. But anyways. Well, that's because we have such a loaded backfield. But um, yeah, besides that, so he had, I mean, 26 carries, 149 yards, one touchdown. His touchdown, he like absolutely demolished some people. Like when he runs the ball, it looks like you're the person that called him fat in elementary. Like He's that's a huge the, man. He's a huge man. But like picture like the most outraged you were like... You know, like when I was younger, I had issues with weight. Like if a person called me fat, right? Like that's how pissed off I would be is how pissed off he runs, right? Like it's just, it's incredible watching him run the ball. He's just got so much force behind him. Ryan Tannehill is playing like at the level where Tennessee might not be looking for a quarterback next year. And that's there, so weird. There was a rumor that, or a report, that, or I guess more of a rumor that came out um, two days ago that he might be a franchise tag candidate for the team. And see... This is where I've bought into hype a little bit earlier than you, and sometimes it's paid off. I'm not willing to go the the full distance and say that Ryan Tannehill is worthy of being the starting quarterback for the Titans next year. But the way he's playing, you can't... Like, he's not playing at a game manager level, but he's playing between game manager level and winning games level. Like, he's not the one winning the games for the Titans. They had a blocked field goal against the Colts um, that they scored a touchdown on, so that obviously helps because it was a 17-17 game at the time. Um I mean, Adam Vinatieri missed three field goals again, keeping with that trend of kickers not winning games for their teams. So, like, there were many factors that were going against the Colts, understandably so. But Ryan Tannehill was 17 of 22, 182 yards passing, two touchdowns. Um, that's so impressive. 
Like that's that's just a great stat line for Ryan Tannehill to have. He's not winning them games, but he's doing what he needs to do to win them games when Derrick Henry is playing. When as you're well. when you're six foot three, two hundred and fifty pound running back just runs through people. You don't need to play super well as a quarterback. But but that's the thing. He's not turning the ball over. No, and really, that's he's, what he's being a game manager and he's yeah. doing it well. Like well, and like he never had a great fifteen Alex Smith. Yeah, he never had a great running back um, in Miami. I don't think. Quote me if I'm wrong, but I, I mean, can't think. Lamar Miller always showed flashes but never turned in anything But I, what I'm trying to say is in Miami, he had to win games. Yeah. And that's what, what a struggle was, right? But we're seeing teams that have a good running game, and the quarterback isn't forced to win games on a weekly basis. Um, we've seen it with, bad example, but Russell Wilson the past couple of weeks hasn't been playing at that MVP level he was earlier in the season, but their running game has really been bailing him out. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, exact same sort of situation, where if he has to win them a game, he can, but it's not on a weekly basis he's forced to. So then here's the question. After seeing them beat the Colts, after seeing Houston beat the Patriots, does Tennessee win this division? So they play each other twice. Yeah. They play each other two it's more huge. times. They haven't played each other yet. I don't think the we, we saw the Patriots sort of run through the Texans. Like when they ran the ball, they're running the ball effectively. That first drive, the Patriots are running the ball effectively against the Texans. So I think obviously the Texans are going to game plan for that, right? Teams are going to game plan for Ryan Tannehill to win them the game. But honestly, I could see the Titans winning one if not two of those games and i could see them actually winning this division not- i'd be willing to say the colts are out of the race right now i think yeah. it's i think it's titans texans i think jacoby Brissett was playing at a, a decent level earlier in the year but i think he's declined in the last couple of weeks um i'm not confident in vinatieri making a kick which pains me because he's my second favorite player of all time so i love the guy but i just don't have confidence in him at this point so you he's dealing a, with an injury now too. The Colts just claimed a kicker off of uh, yeah. waivers, Chase McLaughlin. Yeah, yeah, from San Francisco. That's right. Yeah. So, anyways, um, the Colts have a really good running game, but I think again, like if you stop their running game and slow their running game down, like the te- uh, sorry, like the Titans did this past week, they struggle. So, um, yeah, but I mean, the the Titans are an oppor- opportunistic team. So, like I said, they blocked a field goal and returned it for a touchdown. They had two interceptions. Uh, so Logan Ryan and Kevin Byard. Uh, two really strong defenders for them there. They also had three sacks of uh, Jacoby Brissett. So their defense does what their defense needs to do to get them the win. And I think they have a chance for the division. Even though the Texans are playing quite well as well, I think they have a shot. Um, Sticking in the AFC, another game that we... Honestly, I'm sick and tired of talking about these two teams, but it's an important game for (laughs) for playoff implications. The Browns lose to the Steelers, twenty to thirteen. Duck Hodges is better than uh, Mason, Mason Rudolph. Rudolph, man. That's not a surprise. They're both bad, but but Duck is better. We'll take it. And less of an attitude too, which always helps. But um, they actually didn't have a like. This is the weirdest game ever for the Steelers. Juju Smith-Schuster, like I, I don't know if he's hurt or what, but he's hurt. Yeah, he's hurt. Okay, so he's not in the lineup. You take away James Conner, who's also hurt. You take away Roethlisberger and Rudolph, who were like you know, number one and two quarterbacks there. So you run uh, wildcat. Yeah. Let's read who their stat leaders were. Obviously passing the ball was Hodges with 212 yards, one touchdown, one pick running the ball. Their most effective runner was Benny Snell jr. Uh, raise your hand. If you knew who this was coming into the season, both of our hands are lowered. Um, James Washington, four catches, 111 yards, he's one touchdown. Good. I like James Washington. I like him he's too. He's good. good. And he was someone that coming into the year, he everyone thought he could be the number two. I think Dante Moncrief was the other person he was fighting with. And then the he dropped about a thousand balls in the first three weeks. Yeah, so and that they cut him pretty Moncrief. early in the year too. So anyway, it's, it's kind of weird. Like this is just not the people that we expected stepping up for the Steelers to make them a playoff team this year. But hey, they're getting the job done. Their defense is obviously like the catalyst for them being as successful as they are. They sacked Baker five times. They forced a fumble. Um, yeah, the Browns passed for less than 200 yards. Chubb was held to under 60 yards rushing the ball. So after last week, I think it was where the Browns played the Dolphins and like had one of the best stat lines that they've had all year across the board. This was not a good one. Um, yeah, like Landry had a pretty good game with 76 yards, but Odell Beckham Jr. 29 yards on three catches. Like saw some rumors he might want out of Cleveland. So <laughs> there was a video I saw on Twitter that was him and uh, Jimmy G talking after they played early in the season. And Odell said like something along the lines of like, I could be here next year. And Jimmy G's like, I know, I know. Like they were talking as if there could be a reunion in in San Francisco. So I don't know how accurate that is, but that'd be quite interesting to see him playing there. I don't know. Um, I don't necessarily like him as a fit in Cleveland, but who knows where he'll actually end up. I don't know if their team would be dumb enough to trade him. That's That's a whole can of worms I don't really want to open at this point in time, but... Let's move to the leader of that division, <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens. This is actually probably one of the best football games I've ever watched because every single 
thing that you could want involved in the game was like the weather was a factor, which is you, you want to see how good teams are in different elements as well. Um, I mean, maybe you don't, but especially for two running teams to have rain involved was, was helpful, I guess. I don't know <laughs> to assess how good they actually were. Um, what I took out of this game was whoever had the possession last or whoever had the ball last was going to win this game. And that is ultimately what came true. It was so fun to watch. And my takeaway, as weird as this sounds, is that I'm not nearly as scared as Bal- of Baltimore as I was before the week. I know they still won, but they showed weakness for the first time in almost a month. They showed that, oh, wow, they might not actually blow out all of the good teams in the NFL. They might not be able to just steamroll everybody. Lamar Jackson threw the ball, like, really poorly. Like, But the weather's obviously a huge factor. The weather's a factor, but... You often see NFL quarterbacks looking like 10% worse in, in rain like that, not 50% worse. He was just missing throws left and right. He like, I don't know, man. I still love, I love Lamar. I love watching him play. I think he throws the ball well in good weather, but it was a, it was a bad game for him. Um, and they still managed to pull out the win. Raheem Mostert for the 49ers was the most electric player in that game. Every time he touched the ball, it felt like he was just hitting holes and running and running and running and no one could take him down what 7.7 yards per carry which is that's insane at the nfl level that's college numbers so i think honestly that was my favorite part of the game i'm a person that like i'm a i don't know what you'd really call me but i love watching quarterbacks drop back in the pocket throw the ball 35 to 40 times a game i loved watching players like you know tom brady players like peyton manning those traditional guys that drop back stand in the pocket find the open receiver and and i'm here with my love for college offenses yeah so obviously there's quite a contrast here but I loved watching Mostert get the ball. Like, I, I'm not a guy that traditionally loves running backs get the ball as much as he did. I mean, 19 carries, not that that's a whole heck of a lot, but he was the focal point of their offense. They handed off the ball to him, and it, again, like 7.7 yards per carry. Every time he touched that ball, it was electric. I think and, I just, well, I texted you probably midway through the third quarter, and I just said, Raheem Mostert is doing everything he can to will this team to a win. And, I mean, it's, it's, it was just dominant. Like, that was my number one takeaway from this is that, like, if the 49ers can run the ball that effectively against the Ravens, and not that the Ravens are the best run defense, but if they can run the ball that effectively against a good defense like the Ravens and literally keep themselves in the game against this electric offense with a running game, like, that, you don't see that. That's incredible, and I think that that's what will actually help them win against a lot of these teams. Like, I think, I'm going to preview this a little bit, but I think that they beat the Saints by quite a, a big margin this week. What's nuts is that that loss combined with the Seattle win dropped them to the fifth seed in the NFC. So and you now have a 10-2 and two football team that is a fifth seed in the playoffs. And that's sort of a joke. <laughs> like, I, mean, I the, still think they're better than Seattle. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think that that's... I mean, some people will debate that. Some people that are opinionated with either of those teams. But I think if you look at it from an unbiased perspective, you can see that the 49ers are more complete. And yeah, anyways, um, it'll be a fun division to to watch play out because they have to play each other one more time too. So, uh, San And the Rams showed some some feist this weekend. We'll have to see if they do anything <sighs> It's against with the that, Cardinals, but... the worst pass defense. Like, doesn't really mean too much. Okay, <laughs> we got to move on to this game now because I've been waiting to talk about this play for the last however many days it's been since Sunday. The dumbest play I have ever seen in my life was on Sunday, and that was in the form of a punter lining up, taking the snap, and he's the holder in their kick formation, rolling to the left, looking panicked as two people for the or a couple people for the Eagles ran at him, and he flipped the ball in the ugliest throw you could possibly see to their kicker who caught the ball falling down. This is the dumbest formation I've ever seen. This was the dumbest play I've ever seen, but it was the biggest guts I've ever seen by the any coach to call a play like that in a insignificant game. This is what happens when nothing matters anymore. Yeah. You drop a play where you have, do they have any offensive? Was it just the center in the middle? I think so. It was just so one person. The here. only guy blocking your quote unquote quarterback is your long snapper at that point. Uh, but your center serving in that role. And then your number one receiver is your kicker and nothing makes sense. And the defense gets confused and you score a touchdown. And I love it. That, um, that drew me back to like old school Oregon when they had Marcus Mariota as their quarterback, almost every time they would line up for an extra point, they would motion out into a similar formation just to see how the defense would react. And if they reacted well, they would just motion back in and kick the extra point. And if the defense got confused, they would go for two. They did that pretty consistently. It, it was a really cool thing to watch. And that definitely gave me some memories of that. 
but this gave me memories of that Indianapolis Colts dumb punt fail on Sunday night against the Patriots. That was what I referenced 100 percent of the time. So I don't have as nostalgic of memories as you do, or or I don't respect that as much as you do. But it was it was far funnier when the Colts did it. But besides that, like all the attention went to that big play. I want to put attention on my boy Devontae Parker for just going for it this week. Seven catches, 159 yards, two touchdowns. Has he finally arrived after, what, four years, five years in the league of just mediocrity? Is he finally there? Is Devontae Parker a true number one? It feels like it. Like, I've I've never bought into the hype that you've had around him because for years and years and years, that was never the case. But this is the year where I'm actually starting to be like, okay, like maybe Daniel's got something here. Like, it looks like he's he's finally playing at that level. To be fair, that offense has nothing else, so they're literally force feeding him the ball. Um, like their their leading rusher had thirty one yards. But Guess to be who, fair, who was their leading rusher this past week? It wasn't Kenyon Drake. So Kenyon Drake's with the Cardinals. I, I, I meant uh, Kalen Balaj. Uh, <laughs> was it Fitzpatrick? Did he? No, it was Albert Wilson, who's like their slot receiver. Yep, just a slot receiver. Yeah, with thirty one yards rushing, and he was their leading rusher. Was that like on one carry? I think it was on a couple. Yeah, That's it wasn't. Gross. It wasn't one. It was more That's than one. That's so but, gross. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, all good He's offenses. Being fed the ball. Well, some of the best offenses, they were run by force feeding their best player the ball. We see it with Edelman too. Michael I mean, Thomas. Yeah, Michael Thomas. Like Julian eleven Edelman. targets per game or something. Like that is force McCaffrey, feeding. Yeah. So that's how good offenses run is they find a great player and they just feed him. Well, and the fact that Devontae Parker's becoming that player is kind of weird. Like, that's a huge, like, 0 to 100 real quick. Like, yeah. that's, that's... But, like, the potential he should have had. Gasicki, another first-rounder? Yeah, first or second-rounder. I second don't rounder. think so. I thought he was a second-rounder. Okay, second-rounder. Gasicki showing some talent. And, yeah. again, as Dolphins fans, was this year, like, really embarrassing and disgusting and you traded for Josh Rosen for whatever reason? Yeah, awful. That sucks. But there's some hope for this football team offensively there are some players who are like actually pretty good and you have a ton of draft picks in the near future we've been preaching brian flores too like again we're patriot fans so we're huge brian flores guys we know he's going to be successful so when you have games like this and again he's just got that like no care attitude and he makes up plays like that it's it's those kind of things that are going to transition this franchise to being um who knows how successful but like more successful than they have been this year so good for them yeah anyways i guess we should talk about the other team you know the team that they actually beat philadelphia is melting down just like everyone else in the nfc east that whole division sucks but wentz some bright spots yeah yeah wentz played a good game carson wentz is still hotly debated topic still a good quarterback i just don't wentz is like in my mind borderline elite and i know some people are gonna want to kill hotly me for that, debated but topic i think wentz is great Miles Sanders, like I said earlier, exciting, fun kid to watch, going to be really good in this league. Alshon had a good game. Nice. Dallas Goddard is starting to look like he's an amazing compliment to Zach Ertz. Give them, honestly, the best one-two punch at tight end since Gronk and Hernandez came into the league. Uh, potentially, that might be a bit of a stretch, but... It, who, who has ever had two tight ends like that? Well, I mean, the way Baltimore is using theirs right now is quite elite, too. It's not not to this production level no. in the receiving game, true. but true, the true. way that they're blocking is, is pretty amazing. So you have to consider that in. Um, yeah, the, the big takeaway that I have from this game is that <laughs> when the Eagles' offense is playing really well, their defense sucks. When their defense is playing really well, their offense sucks. And to, to make that point, their last four games, they gave up 17 points to Seattle, 17 points to New England, 14 points to Chicago, 13 points to the Bills. This week, they gave up 37 points to the Dolphins. All those weeks where their defense played really well, they scored less points than those teams. Um, or sorry, they scored more than the, the the Bears. They scored 22 in that game. They scored 31 against the Bills. But it seems like whenever they, whenever their defense goes out and shuts down the other team, their offense can't muster up any points. When their offense goes and scores a bunch of points, their defense can't hold, uh, in this case, the Dolphins. So it's just... It's one of those seasons for the Eagles where it's like, it's so hard to find a silver lining. I think that's the moral of the story here. Another team that's now facing some, honestly, identity crisis after a disgusting loss. Uh, Oakland got just murdered by the Chiefs. But they know they don't have weapons. They 40, traded for AB because they were that desperate to try and get some weapons in this offense. But they know 40 that, to 9 is never a way that you want to lose a professional football game. No, and I get it. But honestly, like Darren Waller, their tight end, 7 catches, 100 yards. Josh Jacobs, he had 17 carries for 104 yards. Were you, like, actively watching this game, Daniel? I wasn't, no. Okay, so I was, like, listening to this game as I was uh, doing some homework, but 
he went over 100 yards in the first half. Then he got tackled for a loss. So he was below 100 yards. Then he got over 100 yards again. Then was tackled for a loss. So there was like three or four times where he broke the century mark. And every single time, Tony Romo and Jim Nance were like, well, look at the Raiders. They got a 100-yard rusher again. Like, <laughs> almost the most exciting part of the offense for, for the Raiders was how many times Josh Jacobs was a 100-yard rusher on the day. Um, they just had no mustard. Like, Derek Carr threw two picks. One of them was for an interception. Obviously, the weather was for, a factor. For a touchdown. Sorry, yeah. I don't know what I just said. Honestly, just going to pretend that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, the weather was a huge factor. It affected Mahomes as well. He didn't look as good. But the Raiders have no firepower, whereas the Chiefs are made of firepower. Um, I think that's the main takeaway is that I, I even said that I thought the Raiders had potentially a chance in this division because the Chiefs just weren't looking too hot. I think they proved that they don't have the firepower to to play from behind. And yeah, they just don't have firepower in general, right? When your running back is your best player. Like you're not going to score 40 points and keep up with the chiefs. If your best player is your running back, you just, you can't run the ball that effectively unless you're the 49ers apparently. Yeah. Another team that can pretty much consider this the end of end of their season. And that's okay. Another team that, that has pieces to be like looking at as, as some future hope. Darren Waller's played great. Derek Carr has been fine. Josh Jacobs the Raiders is looking to be this good too? awesome. Ah, uh, like I went into this year honestly thinking that there were almost 30 teams that could be 10-win teams. So it was a, a bit of a cluster in the league but this like, year. But did you but... picture them being second in their division? Second in their division? Yeah, no, I, everyone thought the Chargers were going to be, but the, the Raiders That's aren't what a I mean. bad like, team. I yeah. think that, it's sure, it's a disappointment because they're missing the playoffs. But like realistically, this is actually, like you can't look at this as a bad season for them in my mind. That, no, that's fair enough. They'll be fine. Like you just you can't win every game and they had a, a period of time where it looked like they could push for the division and this was the game they had to do it in and and the Chiefs said haha even though we've lost some games we're still significantly better than you and that was pretty much what it felt like the entire time yeah fair enough um another strong AFC battle between two playoff teams can't spend too much time on it but the Texans just destroyed the Patriots the Patriots didn't force any turnovers um it was just it was quite a bit of a struggle um for the Patriots offense until the last couple minutes of the game, the Texans made up a weird play and managed to be really successful on that. That play never should have worked, but it did. And I respect it. It was a, like an end around handoff, which was then flipped to Deandre Hopkins, which he then pitched to Deshaun Watson, who ran it into the end zone. It was a technically a touchdown pass for Hopkins because of the forward pitch. Yeah. It was so weird, but it worked. And I think if I learned anything from this game, Honestly, honestly, it's that the Patriots are borderline not even a top 10 team in the league at this moment. The offense is just trash. The score is closer than the game was. The Texans went into a prevent defense for pretty much the entire fourth quarter, and the Patriots scored because of it. Um, They almost managed to come back on an onside kick that was as close to being recovered as I've ever seen a non-recovered onside kick be. Uh, but the Patriots aren't good. They don't. They don't have weapons on offense. If teams double cover Julian Edelman, uh, they just lose. That's just it. They can't run the football. Tom Brady is more skittish than I've ever seen. He's not regressed. I think he's just scared because well, he doesn't have anyone to throw to. When you don't trust who you're throwing the ball to, no. he, yeah, it, it affects you. So. And with that being said, the Texans won this football game. Yep. They really did. Yep. Deshaun Watson, uh, in my mind is a top five NFL quarterback. And it, apparently it's controversial opinions day for, for quarterbacks for Daniel, but Deshaun Watson wins games. He throws the ball. Well, he actually is pretty good at dissecting defenses. consistency. Yeah. He can run the ball well enough to, to scare people. Um, that team, obviously at the, the one, two punch of Hopkins and Will Fuller. And now Kenny stills is a really solid number three is, is dangerous. It's, it's a good football team. And these, those games actually between them and Tennessee are going to be worth watching. They oh, really are. Definitely. Um, yeah, I'm not willing to buy into with Watson. It always feels like consistency. I loved him at Clemson and for the most part, I've loved him as a Texan, but it's just, I don't believe in him consistently. And that's a problem. Um, the last game of the week, just to to quickly sum it up, uh, the, the Seahawks ran all over the Vikings. Carson had over a hundred yards. Penny, uh, very close to breaking the century mark as well. Um, their receiving core played really well. The Vikings just weren't able to, to muster it up the win. And, uh, you know, Cousins played pretty well, but he's 0-8 on Monday night now, which doesn't really speak to him individually. But it was just, it was a game that they, sh- it felt like they could have won and just didn't. It was a tough one for them. The the tweet that summed up my thoughts best on this game, um, I honestly can't remember who tweeted it out, but it was something along the lines of, Kirk Cousins is so bad that the Vikings gave up 400 yards. And it just summed up how I feel so well. Everyone blames Kirk Cousins 
this game was not his fault. Cousins played well, and the defense did not. Xavier Rhodes was terrible and just got absolutely torched by, I don't remember who, one of their... Metcalf? I don't know. It was some no-name receiver for a touchdown. Was it, was it David Moore? Is that yeah. the name? Yeah. Um, just absolutely torched. Like, he was not in the vicinity. And everyone immediately, Kirk Cousins can't win in primetime. Kirk Cousins is trash. Kirk Cousins is not trash. And I'm so sick of this. I think he's got better numbers than Rodgers, and Rodgers oh is considered Kirk for the MVP Cousins race, yeah. is so good. And unfortunately, the defense couldn't get their crap together to win one freaking game against Seattle that they should have won. And everyone's like, oh, Kirk Cousins. It, the Vikings are a really good team. The fact that they are a wild card team is insane to me. They are better than the Packers. They are a top, they're top three. They are honestly, in my mind. In the NFC? Yeah, in the okay. NFC, definitely a top three team. And everyone's just going to blame Kirk Cousins for everything bad that happens. And it's just so stupid. Just just stop the bandwagon. Realize that Kirk Cousins is actually good and put the blame where it belongs. It's just like, it's almost like it's everyone's favorite thing to rip on this guy. Yeah. I'm not even a Vikings fan and this just ticks me off. Yeah, no, I <laughs> completely agree. Um, I think Vikings fans are able to recognize that it's not him losing them games. But um, also, anyway. sorry, wait, Laquan Treadwell, just uh, funny, uh, was a first round draft pick by the Vikings, was absolute trash, got cut signed with another team, got cut by them, came back to the Vikings, was left wide open for a touchdown that brought them back into the game. So that was just kind of They're funny in receiver. Way. The first time that Laquan Treadwell did anything of consequence, and it was his second stint with the Vikings. Yeah. Um, not a player that uh, that we want to highlight <laughs> anytime soon, but some players that we do want to highlight in fantasy football for you this week. We know we're getting close to the playoffs, and this might be your last chance to get into the playoffs. My hopes are pretty desperate in almost every league I'm in. But that still gives me the right to tell you guys some recommendations. So if you have these guys on your rosters, this week, this week might be the, the week to give them the chance to win you the, the league. Or sorry, win you away into the playoffs. So uh, I'll highlight some, uh, some starts. So Devlin Hodges against Arizona. Uh, if Jared Goff can destroy their defense, so can Devlin Hodges. Joe Mixon against the Cleveland defense. Um, the Browns running defense isn't great. This could be the week that Joe Mixon uh, is able to be somewhat productive in that divisional battle. Carlos Hyde against the Denver Broncos. Um, Hyde has been pretty quiet the last few weeks, but I think that if they get out to an early lead, Hyde could actually produce uh, some decent yards here. Ryan Tannehill against Oakland. Um, Oakland's run defense is pretty strong this year, so if they do force Ryan Tannehill to win them uh, the game, I think he'll have to have a big week. Uh, Daniel, who are some sits? Yeah, often when it comes to, to this point in the fantasy uh season if you're not in the playoffs or you're fighting for that spot you have to kind of start making the risky decisions to try to have them pay off so um, one of those big risks we're saying this week maybe don't be putting Alvin Kamara in your lineup He's quite honestly bench. he he has not been the same player this year um, and that probably had to do with Teddy Bridgewater being in a bit sure but he's not the same dominant force he was and so this week against San Francisco the San Francisco is really good. Their defense is really good. Uh, put Kamara on the bench. Gardner Minshew, we know the hype is real. He's back. But the Chargers defense is a really good pass defense. Yeah. And Derwin James is also back. So don't take the risk this early. Find a better quarterback to stream. In fantasy, there's always better quarterbacks to stream. Leave Minshew out there. Josh Allen's another one. Baltimore's defense has been playing surprisingly well. And he can be turnover prone. The rushing stats are, of course, really tempting because he gets into the end zone more than any other quarterback in the league. Don't base your playoff yeah, hopes on him, though. Yeah, you, know? you can't you can't hope on a on a QB running in touchdowns to win you a game. And finally, just don't touch Washington's backfield. I feel like this has been they had an unreal week this past week against Carolina, though. So don't lead let that lead yeah, you into temptation. Don't get too hyped on this. Green Bay, like their run defense is again not amazing. Um, but when you deal with a two-headed uh, backfield like a Darius Geis, Adrian Peterson one, there's not a lot of trust there. It's super touchdown dependent. Neither of them are really receiving backs. Considering they'll be losing to the Packers almost all game too. If you if you want a back from that team, start. Oh my gosh, why can't I remember his name? They're a little receiving Chris back. Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson. He'll likely in a game like this be getting. If you're in a PPR league, he'll be getting a lot of catches. Um, Maybe don't bet your week on that. But <laughs> no, don't bet your week on him. Finally, moving into our clues of the week, and this was. A really great week for us. Um, well, for Adam Moore. Adam came out uh, and he won all three. So good on him. Woo! Jumped right above Happy 500. Thanksgiving. And I took my my two wins, but I'll take it. Uh, so I'm sitting at 14 and 13. Adam's at 15 and 12. Uh, and now we have our clues heading into this week of the NFL season. And boy, we're starting off with one that'll tick off a whole lot of Bears fans. Adam, will Mitchell Trubisky 
pass for over 275 yards against the Cowboys. So I think the last two games he actually has, I think it was like 278 and then 338 in his last two games. I'm going to go out on a limb here, take a risk and say Mitch Trubisky does. I, I can't tell by your facial expression whether you agree or not. I'm trying to decide how much of a meltdown I think the Cowboys are in or if they're just going to come out ticked this week and just dummy the Bears. And that to me seems more likely. So I'm going to go with no. I think the Cowboys for Jason Garrett and just for all of the media they've been getting for falling apart, I think they're just going to come and beat up on the Bears in a real way. And I think Trubisky will probably regress to normal Trubisky. Interesting. Would not have expected you to say that. Into our second clue then. Will the Patriots offense score more than 30 points against the Chiefs? Yes. I consider this risky. Consider this whatever you want. I'm optimistic that the Patriots will get back to their ways. They're home at Gillette. Um, They scored a lot of points both times they played the Chiefs last year. I think that this is the week where they say to themselves, like, look, like, screw this. We're going to play to our strengths. We're going to be the best football team we can be. I'm expecting this to be the week that they go out and score more than 30 points offensively um, and prove that they're elite. Nah. You don't think so? Like, do you think even close? They don't don't have offense. Um, Do you think even close? Like, I'll be totally real. If they scored 10 points, that would not shock me. I obviously want more. I, I want to believe in this wait, wait, team. If they don't score 10 points, you wouldn't be shocked? No, if they only score 10, that okay, wouldn't shock okay. me. Um, so I'm going to go with no. I really hope I'm wrong. Um, but our final clue, will the Giants, the very bad Giants. Led by Eli Manning. <laughs> led by Eli Manning, beat the also melting down Eagles on Monday night. So as a last hurrah for Eli, I'm going to go out and say Yes. It, uh, Eli Manning will lead the Giants to beat the Eagles on Monday night. Um, I don't know what this means for the Eagles. Don't even want to think about what that'll mean for the Eagles. But I think that for Eli Manning's sake, the Giants go out and win this game on Monday night. Yeah, that seems right to me. The, do I think Eli Manning is a great quarterback anymore? No. But do I think that the Giants organization owes him a lot and will... Like, those players are going to play their Two hearts Super Bowl out. rings. They are going to play their hearts out to win that game for him, I think. And I wouldn't be shocked to see them beat this. And um, if both my predictions are right, the Cowboys will essentially claim the division, I think, this weekend. Not officially, but I think that that could be the beginning of us seeing. Yeah, if um, they beat the Bears, I think it's essentially yeah. a lock. So. so we ended with our tweets of the week, or we're ending with our tweets of the week instead of our, our clues this week. Um, <laughs> kind of considered a tribute to Ron Rivera. Um, again, such a likable guy, and, and we saw that on Twitter this week. Yeah, so this is what I thought was kind of... I don't want to put the word cute around it, but you almost feel you have to. So oh, was, it's a, it was straight up adorable. His players were just gushing about it. Yeah. Him. There was like, so sorry, n- not what was cute, but like uh, Kyle Allen made a tweet or a post on Instagram, like just with a bunch of, uh, you know, nice words to say about Ron Rivera. And like, this is one of the best men, men I've met and one of the best coaches I've ever had in my, uh, my playing career. It was an honor playing for you. Um, then what actually, like I had to say the word cute alongside of it. So, <laughs> When your team gets to the Super Bowl, they take a team picture. Um, everyone on the team, all the staff, all the equipment managers, everything, like they're all there um, in this photo. Ron Rivera actually went and sat on the bleachers, like where the, the or sat where the photo- photographers were. And he was actually taking pictures on his iPhone of all the different players that he wanted to see pictures of as well. I thought that was just so cool. Like a coach, st- like taking a step back and actually taking a photo of some of his players. I thought that was very cool. It's like an old grandma. Well, he's so proud of his players. Like that's just, that's so cool. I didn't realize how loved he was in that organization. And that's just me being uh, like not aware of the Panthers organization structure, but um, very cool to see a coach that respected by his players in this day and age. Um, Something else that I really wanted to highlight. I haven't watched the Mandalorian, but if you have Disney plus and you've watched the Mandalorian, the, the star Wars series, um, there's baby Yoda in there. And apparently baby Yoda is like really taking off. There's lots it's of a memes. massive meme. Yeah. It's crazy. So anyways, the Seahawks tweeted, if they got three, 33,333 retweets, they would make an image of baby Yoda and <laughs> Seahawks gear as their profile picture. So of course they got that. And now baby Yoda in Seahawks gear is their profile picture on Twitter. I think there's, there's been a couple 49ers fans who I saw trying to like make their own 49ers. I give this meme a week and a half till it's dead because of how <laughs> overused it's been. And it sucks because it's pretty great, but it's so funny. Like the Seahawks are just, they're a fun team just because they go out and do stuff like that. And then their players on the field. Did you see that dance celebration that they had? That was legendary. And it was choreographed. It was like I saw, perfect. I saw the video like of like, I don't know where it, it looked like it was in their, um, in their training facility or something like that. These three players going and like doing all the choreo- choreography and then it was mapping it out at like in the game and it was just 
perfect it was so cool to see like the people actually going and spending time on their celebrations are just fantastic love it absolutely love it so that is the end of this episode of the goal line fade podcast with all of our divisional breakdowns out of the way we'll get to dig in a lot more to the the week of games that we've been through and starting next week we're going to really start looking at games that have huge implications on the playoff picture we'll give you our predictions for them we'll break down um, players we think you'll want to be watching in them it's going to be a lot of fun Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Goal Line Fade. You know, though, that little I in line has got to be a one instead. We have, I think we have Instagram now. We have Instagram. We're going to get Facebook soon. We already have TikTok. It's called Tell- social media marketing, folks, yeah. and we need you to help build that. Yeah, word of mouth. Tell your friends about us. Um, talked with a lot of people at university lately that uh, are looking for football podcasts. So I'm sure that your friends are as well. Be sure to share us. We have fun. We enjoy talking football and we know that you'll enjoy listening to us. So make sure that your friends have a chance to listen to us too. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As always, we do really, really appreciate you taking an hour out of your week just to hear our thoughts on football. And we'd love to hear back from you if you want to tweet at us, if you want to come talk to us in person, if you know us, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Snap face us. Uh, The Bill Belichick thing. Oh, you were were the worst. (laughs) I had to. Anyways, (laughs) thank you all so much. And we will see you next week. Bye.